Hello and welcome. This is the Lights Out Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Lights Out Everyone Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Claire. And uh, today we're going to be talking about um, games, particularly Formula One. F1 2022. F1 2022. So for those of you who don't know, uh, F1 is having games. Actually, two games. Actually, three. If you're really talking about but we'll be focusing on F1 Manager and F1 2022. Uh, so Claire, you're here today. Uh, I am here today. Can you tell me about your experience so far with F1 2022? Yeah, okay, so I don't play a lot of games, right? I have a PS5, but I don't really like playing with controllers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started playing it on the controller and I was really, really bad. Really, very bad. Um, yeah. Um, but then, for Christmas, I got uh, a steering wheel and pedals so I could play F1 2022 and it'd be more, like, uh, like immersive. how the... What? Immersive. Immersive, yeah. Like, real. Yeah. More like how the Wiki game is. Yeah. Yeah. And did it take you some, like, uh, some time to activate to it, get the speed on it? Uh, definitely. Yeah. You want to tell them about the gap that I closed? Yeah, so... Uh, we first started playing with each other after she got her steering wheel. Uh, I'd been playing it for about three months before that, I'd say. Um, which for me, I got it went on pause, so I went on pause a week later, but whatever. Um, so I started playing that basically like two weeks after it came out. Um, I've been playing games on a controller for the longest time, but I play on Xbox. Uh, I start I play on my PC now. Um, and yeah, so I've been racing all the cars. I've tried a bunch of different variations on different tracks and here comes Here comes Louie! <laughs> Lou, get up here! There he is. Hi buddy. Got a bone? Well, you got a bone. You're so Alright, so, um, yeah, so I'm playing for a good minute. Um, I think the career mode is super immersive and the AI are very difficult, um, but I think they're a very good measure of skill. Um, I think I started off on the beginner level AI, like they have them set at 19%. And then I moved my way up to, I think right now, my match is at like that 90%. That's where I have a hard time. Uh, 87% is mm-hmm. where they start to off-qualify me. Um, but I can still make a gap after I get first place. 91%, I can't get first place. Yeah. Um, but when Claire started about three months after me with the steering wheel, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was about an eight second gap when we first started, and that was. December 25th for Christmas, and then now, uh, two months later, almost, hello. Yeah. Um, players within one second of me during qualifying. And the or out qualifying. Or out qualifying. It depends on the car. So recently, we started a career mode um, where I started off with Williams and she started off with Ferrari. And uh, she took the first one of the season. You get to choose where you get to go, so why not choose yeah, so have for the best car to start out? Yeah. So he he ended up being know, a weirdo and anyway, picked William. I picked the favorite team. Yeah. Um, I'm like, what? But, um, so... Well, because, okay, backtrack. We played a different career together. We were on the same team, and we were on McLaren. So I, I decided to switch it up. Um, keep Danny, Rick, and Lando in, in the McLaren where they should be. <laughs> and uh, kick, I kicked Carlos out, which I feel a little bad about. Yeah, he'll probably make it back in our next, uh, next season. 
But, um, so for those of you who don't know, in the career mode of F122, you can choose um, the team that you go to, and the performance is based on how much upgrading you have. And obviously, you know, this team can upgrade more than other teams, so Williams doesn't have very much money, so they can't do as much research, and they have underdeveloped facilities, so they can't develop nearly as many parts. Um, right now, we are at a point where it's like Max and Lewis at the end of 2020. Uh, 2021, where we have like a one point gap between the two of us. Uh, that was after a very tedious season. I didn't think I would ever lose a race to you, uh, but. You've lost many. I've lost five. Five races to me. <laughs> Out of 10. We only do a 10 race season because obviously doing 16 or 22 races in a season is quite long, which I can understand the driver would be tired at the end of the season. Definitely. Um, so now that you've played F122 and you've played most of the tracks, uh, which ones do you think are justifi justifiably most difficult? <sighs> They're all very difficult in their own way. Okay, let's start off with like, what about the ones that people always complain about? Because they are something worth complaining about. Street circuits, right? We have Monaco, oh my we God. have... Monaco, I cannot drive. Yes, we have we Monaco, we have Singapore. Yeah. I don't think we've raced in Jeddah yet. Yeah, yeah, no, we have. We have? I like Jeddah, actually. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, Jeddah is fun in my opinion. It's probably mm -hmm. the most fun street, street circuit. circuit. Um, that being Montreal, said, there is Canada and Montreal, which mm -hmm. I didn't actually know our street circuit for a while. I thought there was actual like, tracks, but now I know, and I guess whatever. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I am a fan of street circuits. It's a very, very high level skill to drive on. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the braking zones, like how you do your setup and everything like that. Like, I think also, um, Claire hasn't quite learned how to do her own setup yet. But I, yeah, no, I just, I have a problem with numbers, and I don't like doing it myself. Yeah, so I get so confused. I've tried out so many different setups on so many different tracks, and I can understand why, and how, like, the engineers and the drivers, like, when they're talking about, like, the car balance, like, the things that they're talking about, it's like, yo, like, this is actually really cool, the mm -hmm. amount of time that goes into finding, like, that pinpoint setup that you like. You're just not being able to find it. So, like, where George would take one of those ones where it seems like, you know, 70% okay compared to when Lewis was doing the large stream ones where it was like, you know, 20% okay or 90% okay. So I can understand why now, like, George is doing better in the first half of the season. But, um, yeah, outside of that, the, let's go with, like, old, uh, old time circuits, like, Spa, uh, Silverstone, Monza. Yeah, basically, the, 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 the most fun thing about these circuits is, like, Sometimes you're you're in the rain and it makes it like a hundred thousand times harder. Like, but it, it and you really get to see like the different elevation changes. Um, like you know when you're going up a hill, you're, you're like you don't really notice it that mm. much when you're watching it on TV. Yeah. But driving in, it's like insane. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting ones is uh, a lot of times you'll hear on TV about uh, Spain, the blind I think turn, blind turn nine where you're going. You're six into seven into possibly eight by the end of the turn, and you're going uphill, so you can't see where the apex of the turn is. Um, and they have that really large gap gravel trap there. And I'm like, okay, I can see why they call it that now, because if you don't have like um, in F122, you have a racing line on, which I'm pretty sure they've actually had in most of the Formula games. But I've started playing with the racing line off, and that is the most terrifying thing, mm -hmm. especially when you're going uphill into like a flat corner where you can't see the apex. That is terrifying. Um, okay, so now that you played the game. Uh, and you've obviously watched a lot of F1. Comparing the wheel tracks to the um, ones we raced on, which one has to be your favorite for both at the same time? For both, I think it still has to be Spa. I, I love going up Eau Rouge. Yeah. And, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, Spa is one of my favorite tracks. Mm. I mean, and Montreal. I have a lot of fun driving on F1 2022. Mm. And I like watching that race as well. Mm. Um, uh, for me, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Zandvoort, even though, like, you know, on TV, it's kind of hard to overtake on it. But mm-hmm. uh, I think we talked about this in the last one. I, don't, I just don't like it as a track to watch on because TV the because the fans and Max and the whole weekend thing. Yeah. But I like driving it. Yes. It's, it was a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand local fans. I don't know. Like, obviously, you're not the largest Max Jones fan. I prefer to say I'm pretty unbiased about it, but um, I just like the track and, like, I think the cameras don't do justice to it. Uh, they, it is, they really don't. It is wild how like like slanted those turns are. The banking, yeah. Yeah, it's so cool to drive on. Yeah, it really is. Um, so um, outside of that, driver moves don't happen very frequently in F one twenty two. A lot of times we see some strange mix ups. Like if you kick out like uh, in our previous one, we kicked out Lando from McLaren. And he ended up going to Aston Martin. And so one of the interesting things about it was, like, even in an Aston Martin, or not even, in, in an Aston Martin, I think the game over on the side is just, like, the level of the car. Oh, yeah, the car diff is everything in this game. Yes. Because, um, like, in my opinion, if Lando was actually put into a 2020 sales Aston Martin, I feel like he could still, you know, be in a point to attention place mm-hmm. most races. He did horrible, horrible I, in our simulation. He scored two points. During an entire season, we're gonna entire season, which I don't think is represented well. Uh, so, um, but now we can compare this to F1 Manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't played it a lot, yeah. with, but I've heard you talk about it. So yeah, so F1 Manager, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's essentially taking all aspects of a team principal in F1 and putting them into practice, um, where you have to manage, you know, board concerns, your finances for the season, your car upgrades, your driver changes, your staff upgrades, things like that. Um, and one of the most, the biggest things I realized is how much team principals actually have on their plate. Now, obviously team principals don't have that all to themselves, but mm-hmm. it's still like them overseeing a lot of it. Um, so picking the direction the car needs to go and everything like that, but that's expensive because that means you have to spend on every single research part you do or every single development you do for the car. Um, focusing on whether or not you're going to focus on your car for future regulations or next year or focusing on developing a car more and more and more this year um and then whether or not you're just not going to do any upgrades at all or like one or two upgrades like um ferrari and alfa romeo did where they focused on upgrading their facilities which is as obviously you know the game doesn't represent very well but for reference it takes about six seven or eight times as much money uh to upgrade a facility than it does to upgrade one part of a car which i mean it is an entire building yeah. so fair makes sense but the time it takes to upgrade those part of the building, it's like 90% of the season. And so you don't even get to put it into practice. Um, one of the most interesting things is how hard it is to get drivers out of their contracts, um, which now I can understand why, you know, uh, it was such a big war to get Danny off his contract or why it's so hard to get these like people, like the big names out of their contract, even if they might not be uh, you know, enjoying their time there. Like, even if Mercedes were to say, hey, Lewis is retiring today, and they want to buy, like, let's say, Lando or mm-hmm. um, Charles out of their contract, that is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Um, and so I tried buying, uh, I did it in US dollars, because um, I'm not sure how to do it in pounds or euros or whatever other currency, but I tried buying Lando out of his contract to go to Aston Martin, 
And there's two things that they always focus on. One is actually how much you're willing to offer and the, you know, the bonuses they get for whatever position. And the second thing is how much they actually think your team can do. So Aston Martin has been P7 for two seasons in a row now. Um, and one of the biggest things that I found is a lot of the upper drivers, even if you're willing to offer them like these massive contracts and you're able to buy a lot of those contracts, they won't come to your team solely for the fact that they don't think you're good enough. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, Fernando is only going to Aston Martin, I believe, because of the big, big paycheck he's getting. Yeah. So, do you think that Fernando, like, obviously the paycheck, but do you think he actually sees value in the Aston Martin car for next year? Sure. I mean, they've been upgrading their factory, right? Yeah. I um, think the new one is supposed to come through in May. Okay. So, I mean, I, yeah, he must see something. Yeah. Or he just really <laughs> messed things up at Alpine. Yeah. He was like, I can't stay here. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the two. Yeah. I think I'm um, the latter. Okay. So, on that topic, um, Fernando Alonso was under the management of, I forget the name of them, but a certain driving manager used to be a team principal and he's banned from the sport now. Oh. Yes. Um, what did he do to get banned? A lot. Oh. That okay. I don't quite remember. But um, a lot of people are saying that the way that everything went down with Fernando's timing of him leaving Oscar Piastri, Oscar Piastri signing to McLaren and the whole contract situation, they're saying that he could have been involved in the back of it because of his closeness to Alonso and that whole situation. Because obviously, you know, like, you know, Alonso moved to Renault and it blew out of Renault, or because of said person, um, who I really can't remember the name of. Um, but um, now, like, this, this is like saying that his handprints are like all over it because he, um, like, Fernando left on what was supposedly, obviously, this is all speculation because we don't know the actual contract, but Oscar Piastri had a contract essentially with Alpine where people thought it said that. Um, and he can leave, he doesn't have a seat by X date. And X date was, I think, released July 30th. And that's the exact day that Fernando Alonso left Alpine for Aston Martin. And the same, exact same day, Alpine announced Oscar Piastri. And that exact same day, Oscar Piastri said, I'm not driving for Alpine next year. And so there's a lot of ambiguity there, which is why there was that big tug of war. So um, I think it was one of the most interesting things. I was like, this is quite a bit of conspiracy going on and it, I mean it makes sense because he's done like said person has done this in the past and so I'm like huh yeah. is this actually like something that's been going on because he said he, like well, he's he, banned from the sport he's banned from the sport and he himself personally said he doesn't want anything to do with the sport but at the same time you're like you know nobody who's been in the sport for that long and made a man win two world championships so would just get away from the sport you're saying that people think he's still helping Alonzo well I think he and orchestrated the situation the yes he also was somebody who helped Mark Webber, who okay. is Oscar Piastri's, like, Oh, you know, that yes. makes sense, because yeah. he, he is managing Oscar, Oscar Piastri. Exactly. And so a lot of people are saying, like, you know, Mark Webber could be tied into this, too, because he was also helped by X person. If anything, he's, like, their back channel doing this, like... Yeah. So while he may not be directly in F1 or, like, involved with it, this could be something... He, at least he's getting, like, tips from... Yeah. Like, he's helping with, like, the relationship between the ones. Yeah. Whoa. Wild, right? That so, is wild, and that has nothing to do with F1 2022. That is true, mother. Um, or F1 manager. <laughs> yeah. But the, wow, that was um, cool. So, another interesting thing we found is, well, I found out about Oscar Piastri first off, um, in one of my solo careers, 
I have Oscar for te- as a teammate for two seasons, and he has not performed. Obviously, it's not representative because there's no growth in the driver's seat with me. But in our season where we played together, Felipe Drogovic gets signed to Alfa Romeo in 2025. Dude, he goes, damn, he just like literally just cars up the field. He's like P3 as a rookie. Yeah, so every race in Alfa Romeo, P3, every race, or every qualifying, he's like P3, P4. So he's like up there. So I'm like, okay, first off, where is this coming from? And then we get to the race, and he's just chilling in P3. Like, usually, like, a good gap to the next person, too. And they just made him, like, OP and, like, <laughs> for no reason. I'm just like, I've literally never seen this before. Um, I tried signing him an F1 manager. Mm-hmm. He's very cheap. Mostly F2 drivers, you can sign, like, a million-dollar contract and they'll take it. Uh, unless it's, like, uh, somebody who, like, is also really short driving. Um, but, like, Tio Porcieri, you can give him, uh, like, a $2 million contract and they'll take it. Mm-hmm. And they develop unbelievably fast. Especially, like, um, drivers like Jack Duhon, uh, Oscar Piastri, uh, Felipe Djurkovic, um, Federico Vesti, which I don't think is so much talked about anymore. Um, and uh, there's somebody I'm thinking of, but I can't. Whatever. Um, Lawson? No. Uh, I don't remember the name of the person. Okay. Um, but you sign them, and everybody, like, every driver, no matter what age they are, has this thing called, like, an experience multiplier where um, every race they'll get a certain number of experience points. If they get an F1 session, then they'll get experience points, so on and so forth. And the younger drivers uh, get like a massive multiplier, like a 1.71 times, where like older drivers, like say Danny Rick, Lewis Hamilton, theirs is in the 0.9s or 0.8s, where they don't yeah. really get any experience points, because obviously they're pretty stuck in their ways, if you can really say that much. Um, you can develop them however you want. Felipe Djurkovic has really high a really high overtaking stat mm-hmm. and a really high pace like um his accuracy which is just his ability to follow the racing line yeah and so I'm like this is what they're translating to f122 like when he gets to f1 this is like his stats are probably the most balanced thing i've ever seen um i think it's very uh they did a very good job because i went back and watched a lot of the highlights from f2 this season and his drives uh first off the fact that he won with i think three or two races to spare the championship amazing yeah, um, he he needs a spot somewhere. Yes, I think he's in the Aston Martin driver reserve now. Yikes! Yeah, not, not the best not place to be. Not the best place to be. Yeah, because I mean, there's one seat to fucking park. Because I don't think Lance coming. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I think the manager does a very good job at like showing what the drivers can do, and I think it actually pinpoints a lot of the strengths and weaknesses we said drivers. I'll keep up with those for a sec, so I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Literally, I learned so much from playing the video game. It's insane. You can They give you so much information about the cars, the drivers, um, how to upgrade, what you can upgrade, what it does, how long it'll take. So, like, all that. It's, like, so immersive into, like, what actually goes on. And, like, you get to control, like, uh, so much of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I've actually learned, like, what the different practices are for. Um, learning that you should do, like, development boost like programs and like what they can focus on in different uh practice free practices yeah um so one of the more interesting things is that f1 uh, on their official app released a guide to f1 2023 uh, i think it's back in oh, for the, the video game or for the, no, or just the season the season okay um so they explain what each of the free practices for before what the um, sprints are how qualify the new qualifying is done which we'll get to in a little bit um, and how, like, race format. Um, 
And so they explained the free practice, and I was like, this makes sense, because free practice one, they said, is usually made to test any new developments that they have, and that's where you do all the laundry running, which will only give you a set of hard and medium tires yeah. to run. In the game, they allocate tires to you. So. Yes. Um, and then second session is usually used for, you know, actual running of the parts you will use during the race. So day one is basically like, you know, here are the new parts, are we going to use them? If not, here are the old parts, and then we'll use these. Um, and obviously it also gives the FIA time to look at the parts, make sure that they're up to right, because like, how, sorry, um, Mercedes were going to bring a new front wing, one race, and then the, they tested it out, FIA had to make changes to it, um, and then they were allowed to use it at Coda. Um, so things like that, and then... Oh, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but... Playing the game, I've learned so like how I've learned how hard it is to do a freaking race start. Oh my gosh, yes. We'll get to that in a sec though. Okay. But um, that's like Coda with George. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm like, okay, how can that happen? But then I'm like, oh yeah, that can happen so easily. <laughs> so yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of amazing that the drivers actually don't get in as much trouble. Yeah, no. First lap incidents, like I will in the future go forward and be like so lenient on them about it because like yeah. it can happen so easily yeah so um and then practice three of course is used for your shorter runnings prepping you for qualifying um and that's what they say on the app and i'm like that makes sense um because during free practice three in the game they give you just two sets of soft tires so basically like hey do some soft tire running see how fast you are um and yeah so doing that in the game trying to apply that into like how you do your practices usually we um i'm sorry yeah Sorry, I have a piece of blue hair, like, on my face. Uh, so, uh, in the game, usually I do all my long running, like, trying to get all my program done, you know, make sure we get the development boost and whatnot. Development booster, essentially, this will make your research cheaper because it essentially shortens the time that it takes for them to do the research since they have the live data. Um, practice two, usually we sim. Yeah. Um, and also any practices in the rain, we usually sim. Definitely. If, if the race isn't in the rain. Yes. The race is in the rain, then we'll do a practice in the rain. Yes. Um, I think one of the most interesting things about the game is it does a really good job of like um, with changeable conditions, mm -hmm. um, changing from wet to dry or dry to wet. They try to do a good job of showing you when you should come in and when not. Yeah. Um, making the mistake of coming in a lap early or a lap late, I think, is a detriment to the actual process. Yes, for sure. Um, oh, also on on screen, it'll tell you like what how your pace will be affected if you get on different tires. True. Um, like, it'll tell you if it'll, like, you know, like, you'll be faster on these tires or not, or yeah. if you'll be, like, slow. Yeah. Um, I think one of the other interesting things that uh, they do a good job at applying is we use anti-lock um, anti brakes, so our brakes don't lock up. Um, we also use traction control, <laughs> which are two things that the drivers don't have. Yeah. Uh, I tried playing a race without anti-lock brakes and without traction control in Bahrain. Terrible idea. Um, it is so easy to lock your brakes up in a hot track, and that's why we see so many driver lockups when we set to tracks. Like Bahrain, it's very clear to see, like especially down the main straight, since your tires are getting really, really hot really fast, and you're trying to hit the brakes and stop all the way down to gear two or one from maximum gear eight, and you have to brake all the way down there. Um, it's very easy to lock your brakes up, like, so you can see why the um, braking zones would be so much longer compared to how they are in the game. Um, I also think one of the more interesting things is that in um, 
in the game, it's very very easy to go faster than like the fastest time in real life. Oh yeah. Um, they host events like online events where Watch you can it. yeah. The gamer like the e gamers they do it professional for like yeah. tournament and stuff. Do they have the anti lock breaks? Oh, they they have all of those as well. They have all the assists on? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, so they have in the oh, game... Like, I'm sorry, one more thing. Yeah. I saw a TikTok of, like, day in the life of a of a F1 racer, like, for the girlfriend. Yeah. And I was like, who is this? Uh-huh. And her boyfriend was, like, an esports racer. Yeah. I was like, what? It's not the same thing, but it's cool. Well, okay, so one of the cool things is that... <laughs> The like, no, no, your boyfriend isn't an F1 driver. Okay, one of the cool things about... Does it for the game? Keep going, I'm sorry. One of the cool things about the F1... Well, Patrick's here today. Alright. Yeah, that's the other podcast guy. I'm just doing that. So, um, one of the cool things about the esports drivers is that their driving experience that they get behind the um, virtual experience, I guess you'd say, is applicable in real life, and we got to see that with uh, Lucas Blakely, who he won the um, F122 World Championship this year with McLaren Shadow, and then him and Yarno Otmir, who won two years back to back with Mercedes um, in 2021 and 2020, uh, they got first and second place in a tournament that had them competing with the Race of Champions. Yes, they got to um, compete with the Race of Champions, which, which I was is... like interesting because. Near, this is near real life course. racing. Huh? They race like near one of the... Yeah. Uh, and they got to race against like real life drivers. Like, Valtteri Bottas. Yeah. Um, Mick Schumacher. Yeah. Well, they Mika, Mika Hakkinen. They beat Mika Hakkinen. Yeah. I was like, that is wild. Lucas Ooh. Blakely beat Mika Hakkinen. Child was there as well. She was, yeah. Sebastian Vettel was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mick Schumacher got actually second place there. Yeah. <laughs> That's Libby barking, sorry. Hey, bud. Hi. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of cool to see like how their esports experience translates to real life driving. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that a lot of people don't know about what the type of computers that they drive on is actually they drive on things that are basically equivalent to like a simulator F1. Oh yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, those things are mad expensive. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen, like, watched the interviews for Ferrari drivers, the esports drivers, but they literally drive in the Ferrari HQ and what looks like the, like, the exact same thing. Yeah, same. it's crazy. Minus, like, a giant circle room, of course, but um, they drive in what is, in essence, an entire F1 simulator. It's kind of cool. Uh, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, oh, oh. If anyone, sorry, <laughs> I was just interrupting you. Oh, okay. If anyone, if anyone watching is like, able to go to London or something. There's that new F1. Have, yeah, the F1 exhibition is up Arcade? There. Yeah, it's an arcade. Arcade where they have a bunch of like, lower, like, close to being like simulator type things yeah. where you can race. They have 50 of them. They have 50 of them? I think it's 50. And you can also like eat and drink and stuff. Yeah. It's essentially like an F1 gaming bar. It's, it's really cool. so cool. And so, I wish they, they would too. Yeah, those are there. It's no, in London. Definitely it's in London. London. Yeah. Um, they had an F1 exhibition in Madrid where they shut oh. off the um, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's not a gaming center. It's a it's it was a they showed art and cool murals and whatnot of a bunch of different F one drivers and racers and whatnot. Um, some fans submitted some professional artists and whatnot. It was a really cool. Um, I looked at some of the pictures from it and I was like, this is wild. 
Yeah. Um, someone did a comparison of like what the game cars look like um, mm-hmm. versus the cars in real life and like iconic images that they use in real life. Like I think one of the main ones was when you see the cars going over the hill in Austin, you mm-hmm. saw the giant Chilean flag in the background because we were there for that. What flag? The I think it was was it Texas flag or a Chilean flag? One of the two. Well, why would it be the same one? I don't know. There's there's a giant flag. It's huge. It's a you can't miss it. It's an American flag or a Texas flag. Yeah, one of the two. Texas it wasn't what? an American flag. Did you say Ch- Chilean? Yes. Oh, you mean Coda? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, it's a giant flag in the background. It must have been the Texas state flag sure, with a star. I don't, I don't know what the Texas state flag looks like. Are you American? No. Not. Okay, you are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a giant flag in the background. Anyways, it's not. Um, it's not a. It's a flag. Just let me get here. The like, Texas State flag. Okay, whatever. There's a Texas State flag in the background. It's gigantic. You can't miss it. The car going over the hill. The flag in the background. In the game, there's no flag in the background. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, like they should just make one. Go on broadcast mode and watch Notorious Big Coda. There's no flag in there. Oh. And they have like the exact same view. So I mean, they the height's the same. The whole thing's the same. Disappointing. They should put it in 23. Yeah. Um, hey, EA Sports, <laughs> put it in your game. <laughs> it's in the game. They're not going to see it, probably. Um, one of the things that I noticed is that uh, a lot of the struggles that the drivers face in real life aren't in the game, and a lot of things that we face in the game aren't in real life. Yeah. Um, there are some curves that are mighty high in the game that are not that high in real life. And the high oh, curves okay. in the game obliterate the cars. They really do. Uh, I think one of the most notable ones is Hungry, that chicane halfway through the track. It's flat in real life. Well, not flat, obviously, like, you know, it's well elevates. Yeah. yeah. But in the game, it's just like it looks like walls. <laughs> and if you go over yeah. it, you're at like the drivers do in real life rather than around it, and you're going to obliterate the floor of your car horribly. Yeah. I mean, they definitely do a good job of like making you feel car damage. Yes. Um, like, if you take floor damage, you're going to feel drag. Yep. Whether it's through, like, vibrations of your controller, or whether you actually feel it through drag. If you take radiator damage, or the, the worst is when you take farming damage. Because, yeah, understand, oversteer, I didn't understand what Max was saying. There was one track, I think it was Hungry last year, actually, um, where he had a problem, uh, what was it, barge board. Uh, that was fun to know. What's a barge board? It's what they replaced with the sign. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, we had a camera problem. Uh, we talking about barge boards. You don't know what those are. I, I guess I don't. Yeah. So actually, she does know what they are now because uh, they I mean, <laughs> the camera went went off after I explained it. But we didn't notice it. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, um, what's a barge board? So <laughs> a barge board is what the side barge replaced. Okay. So cool. It's cool. just it was protected between accidents. Like Max had that problem with the race of Hungary in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that came out on one. Then the last week, and the first one. There you go. Yeah, cool. Nice and open, quick Cool, cool. Right. So, um, let's see. Which track have you driven the most in F1 Series? I mean, it's got to be Bahrain, just because we, we, we kept yeah, playing it over and over again. Yeah. Or Silverstone. So, why wouldn't it be the most exciting? Why wouldn't that be the one that we've raced at? Yeah. It could be. Okay, yeah, we have restarted that a lot. I wasn't really thinking about restart wise, I was thinking more like. Gotta be reasonable. We, uh, in our current championship, like I said, we were 
1.5. So we're going to remove this dude. And uh, if you can just remove this. It's right. super bad. Burn point. Sometimes they're okay. So it's interchangeable conditions where the rain will stop on that version. Now, flat fixtures can be changed on your software. And Claire doesn't have this as well. So she just dry and smash Did we talk about this in a different episode? No, we didn't. Okay. She doesn't have this as well. We talked about it before. And we were driving in different places. I was in front of her, she was behind me, she loved me too. Switched around to our soft tires. And I followed them in the pits so fast. I would I pulled her so I did. But she slammed them back in me. Car damage and they don't fix the front wing. Get it right before you go to the pits. Fix it on, they don't know where to fix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so she's kind of driving around this road in front of me. We had to restart off of that. Mind you, that wasn't my fault. That's the way she keeps going, but she wasn't that way. It's a mutual decision when you restart the race. No, you have to, though. Like I, I don't give the choice. Okay. When we restart races, usually it's because. Okay, so a lot of times we're on the floor sometimes, but that's something you have to. It happens to you too. Don't pretend like it doesn't. It happens to you too. Um, when I ask for it, it does it. Usually for good reason. With her, it, it's a stupid reason. <laughs> it really is. There, there's no negotiating with me. Okay, it is. And I also get distracted super easily. Like if like a notification pop, pops up on like my watch or something, and I look and I'm just like, oh shoot, I'm on, I'm in the grass. I'm I'm in the gravel. I hit I hit a curve. Oh yeah, she doesn't have to watch it. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. Um, Except for when it messes up my race and then I have to restart. Yeah, so we know he couldn't get F1 driver here because she gets distracted. <laughs> hey, if I didn't wear my F1, uh, my, my Apple watch. My Apple watch? My Apple watch. I want one. What is that? I don't know. Okay, yeah. Um, I could be an F1 driver, I think. Just kidding, I really could. So do you agree with each other? I, I love Kimmy Chadwick, I think. Honestly, she should okay. work her way up there. Okay. That was just random. We're going to come up the topic of Jimmy Chadwick a little bit. We'll probably just stick to this one. So let's talk about Jimmy Chadwick for a minute. He has an F1. First off, let's start with the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. She has, first off, a lot of First she, off. You said first off like a bunch of times. I'm sorry. First off, <laughs> she has a pretty nice team. Yeah. Like three WWE Series championships in a row. Yes. And Dude, she dominated that series. Um, so I mean, I think that the next step for her should have been a formula, yeah. Instead of Indy next, I think. Yeah. But anyway, I think she'll get some some good play for Andretti in uh, yeah. Indy next, and so, the American fans might be a little more open to having a female driver. Yeah. In Indy. Um. So in next, it's obviously like the formula to. Sorry. <laughs> it's like the Formula 2 of IndyCar. So, yeah. And she is the only female driver that we have ever had ever in the XFC series. Um, how do you think she does this year? I think she does good and she learns a lot yeah. um, about working in a team and actually being like. Do you think she teams up to IndyCar after one year? Probably not. Honestly, I think she'll try to make a move back to Formula 2. Do you think the Formula 3 and the Indy Car team would be better than the Indy Car team? 
No, they they wouldn't actually. She'd be there. She has been mm-hmm. before, but it didn't really move her anywhere. So I, I really don't know what she's supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think that explains it really far. I think the Bible character scene in that day was with you know, uh, old her where you know the girlfriend is being super young. Here we have like yeah. is still pretty young. I think she's like twenty three or something. So yeah. phenomenal, super young. Definitely. As a you know, not trying to shoot her for it, but but you know comparing that to you know Mel's daughter twenty two years old, like there's already a lot of them. Okay, well, it is hard to tell because the cars are different. Like, yes, you yeah, need yeah. the car to be different for a female. Yeah. Like, it's not meant for a female. So, so can you see a Formula 3 or Formula Tiki who had substantial less funding, funding making a cockpit specifically for one single driver? I don't know. That's, like, if she could bring in enough money for it. Mm-hmm. But she has a hard time finding funding, I think. Well, she she might not after this. Yeah, but you know, I mean, she might not pay for that. Does not. Um, okay, so uh, Austin said that the Formula One Academy is going to start uh, signing other drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's what they're going to do. Signing like Formula Three, Formula Four type signing, or I have no idea. I feel like they're they've signed some W Series drivers. Yes. Um. So I don't know. It's gotta be like higher level racing than W series for it to make any sense to me. Yeah. Do you think it'll be higher than I have no idea what to expect from it. Yeah, what are you excited for it? I'm excited for it, I'll definitely watch it. Okay. Um it's got like the backing of F one obviously, so that's yeah. great. That's pretty amazing actually. Yeah. I think one of the most interesting things is that, you know, the F one is reversing with like a actual feeder series into the upper echelon of formula yeah no i think they should they should do something in in the states that would be nice yes um, i think that's in their future one thing i'm interested about is um let's see if female driver does make it to formula three let's say formula three just because that's where i would assume the f1 academy would lead to like the, i'm gonna say the f1 academy probably formula like formula four formula, right? yeah um do you think Jimmy Chad would get to see? Which, like, oh wait, why do we need? Well, because they're gonna let women in that. Okay. Do you think Jimmy Chad would get to see coming out of IndyCar or a new match before or after a driver from the F1 Academy? I hope it'd be before because she can't go to the, you know, F1 Driver Academy. I don't think that would be the right move. Mm-hmm. It would be like a downward move. Yeah. So I hope that she would go before, but then. Like F1 is like really on it to get these people, these drivers from their academy to make it a success into the Formula Series as a feeder, then we might see someone from that before Jamie Chadwick because she's not a part of it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so for those of you who don't know, sorry, we jumped into this while you were describing it. Formula, uh, the Formula One Academy is an all-girls series and single series. Sending the Formula W, except directly endorsed by um, F1. Um, and they're saying it should be a feeder series. Uh, so it's five renowned uh, Formula 3 and Formula 2 teams, each with three seats in the circle with 15 drivers in the field. Um, it's also the fact that there's only 15 drivers. Why do you think that's a lot? I think, <clears throat> I think it's enough for a first year. Okay, so do you think they? Depending if they on can, first year goes, they should up the number of teams. They should up the number of teams, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because there are some pretty big ones. I think Kmart's in there. Mm -hmm. um, I think Carlos. I think Virtua. Any Virtuosi is not. And they're one of the big teams in FP. So this might be a case of like the big teams, like the other F1 teams, and also mm -hmm. some of like the big F2 teams not being willing to invest in that yet. So I see what kind of problems in that. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about like why Mercedes isn't involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, I guess the biggest thing, well, there's two things. One is PR, uh, personal rep, or I guess in this case, company wide reputation. And also, this is something. Public relations, is it? PR team? That's unfortunate. Um, no, I'm sorry. Whatever. Sorry. Not sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep it in. Keep it in. <laughs> it needs to be um, held accountable for the Um, there, this is also something that could stand against female drivers in the world. Because I think that right now the biggest thing with female drivers is the first one that's going to make them look good. People are going to feel like it's the end all or be all for women drivers. Um, I wish they wouldn't, but they probably will. Yes. I, yeah. It, I mean, it's kind of how I think people were with Lewis when first came onto the, the grid. Uh, you know, being one of the most, the youngest and most talented black F1 drivers, and obviously he was at the pedestal, um, but I think people are planning to write off of black drivers because, yeah. you know, they're like if he didn't perform, which obviously is the case, but if he didn't perform, they're probably going to really write him off. Um, and now, like, you know, he's still the only black driver in the grid, but I think he is an inspiration to other African black drivers, and that's really good to see. Um, yeah. There's I mean, a young American black driver as well, that's really good to see. Yes. His name is... Uh, I can't pronounce it. I can't even try. It starts with it. you. Yes. <laughs> he's, um, he's super good and super cool. He's winning like a bunch of. Um, yeah, it's like he's one of the top players in the house in the top one. For sure. Um, I think he's on Mercedes. I don't know. Radar? I don't know. Um, there's also another person on But it really does surprise me that there's not another person of color on the grid. That is true. Uh, most of the people come from here in Alcoholics, Great Britain. Monaco, Spain, Germany, Germany, the U.S. Like just three big countries. Um, but even from those large kind of three countries, just a million people of color that they can represent. Yeah, I mean, do you think that they should like race on the continent of Africa? And do you think that would help? Like a South African thing. Yeah, but South. Like an Egyptian country. Yeah, an Egyptian one would be really cool. Like. But like South Africa, if I'm correct, it's like probably one of the, the whitest countries. Oh yeah, 100%. So, but still, would, like, yeah, just oh, the idea yeah. of racing on, on, on the African continent. Yeah. Um, but like, the problem with that is I think a lot of regions in Africa are pretty hot. Warmest? Yes. Um, <laughs> and I think the last thing that they're trying They have to had races in South Africa. Yeah. Like having another mm -hmm. really hot Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's somewhat like the driver's already complained about some of Like Singapore at night True. is ridiculous. Yeah. Imagine having a different Grand Prix in the summer. Or like some of the Middle Eastern. Yeah. 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 Like so hot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so back to the topic though, I think people were ready to write off black drivers and hold so we would show everyone that just because you're a color racer doesn't mean that you're a black racer. Obviously, um, that makes sense to me, yeah. but I mean, the world is the way it is. Yes. 
Um, but they are used, I mean, he is using the pedestal as a Jewish part of the pedestal to, you know, promote the idea of racial and gender equality on the grid, like in every type of position, whether it be as a reporter, as a driver, as an engineer, like all of that. And I think he's going to really do that. I think undergrad is also a good job of keeping that, you know, as a part of their lives. I know, I think we're going to miss Seb as someone who promoted things. Yes. Um, I think second to Lewis, he was probably one of the most outspoken people on the grid. Yeah. Hopefully Um, he stays um, outspoken. Yeah. Since day life, I, I don't see that. I can see him taking a step back. No, no, I just mean about his social causes yeah, and stuff. Um, but back to the topic, Jamie or any female driver making it. Can we just yeah, switch yeah. topic back to Lewis? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I mean, like, just no, no, I want to talk more about Lewis. Let me just. Oh. Uh, I think any female driver making it, whether it's Jamie Chadwick or anyone else, whether it's or somebody coming from the Indian Academy, that is going to be the benchmarker for how people feel about being a driver. And I, like it sucks that that's probably not going to be, but yeah. I feel like uh, people will be ready to sing their praises if they win and ready to absolutely crush all female drivers' plays. Sure. I mean, here in America, Danica Patrick has a great reputation. I mean, I feel like it could happen. And I feel like one of the biggest problems is something that maybe black drivers play into is like even like more open to see and now it's like if another one comes along, I feel like that's like the expectation for them to succeed as well. True. Um so back to the American driver, you know, he's fifteen. Uh Lewis is what, sixteen when he was sixteen or seventeen when he was actually with you. Um and I think he's still racing in Formula Four, thirteen. Yeah. F three? Probably. He was pretty far up the ladder already, I guess, actually. Where's my phone? Let me find his name. Um, but yeah, so whatever black driver comes to us, it's going to be like, oh, we're going to do this. It's just a fluke. Like, mm-hmm. and like, it sucks up the way it is. I feel like this, like, it doesn't even have to be, like, racially motivated at this point, although it probably could be. Look, he's um, in, he's in F4. Three more racing. Oh, I was talking about Lewis when he was 16. Oh, no, I was talking about this guy. Oh, yeah, Ugo. I'm not going to butcher his name, so I'm not going to say it. But uh, he's 15. 16? You said 16? No, I think. He's 15 and racing in front of four. And I'm um, good because he is a. I was trying to talk about something. Another one of those top 20 talents to look at. So they looked at a lot of FT drivers. <laughs> Hopefully you can see that because you have the screen back and stuff. Um, but they had they put out a list of top 20 young talents to look at. A lot of them were F2, F3 talents, maybe F4. Um, some big names like Jack Duhon, who's already like everybody knows him. People like Arthur Leclerc, who might be already in the fifth row in this um, And a lot of the other young drivers. Uh, Filipinko is on there. Um, but one interesting driver, they also put their current and previous uh, racing series. Um, Abby Pulley, I think that's her name. Um, the only. She's English? Yeah. Um, the only female on there, 19 years old, raced, uh, I want to say, no, it was a W series. Yeah, yeah. she was in W series. Okay, W series. But I don't know what she She is not in a seat currently. I'd like to see her in that F1000 seat. Yeah, I mean, she might have been assigned. Yeah. I know, uh, Miria might have just been the first driver in there. Yeah. 
think so far, as far as the app has shown about five drivers have been signed to the series. Um, from a very wide variety of places, actually, which is really nice to see. Um, there's one from Switzerland, I want to say. Um, there's one from the Philippines. Obviously, you have your British driver in there. Um, I don't remember who the other two are, but they have, I think, five or six already filled. Um, it's nice to see these getting filled out. And uh, I found the app and the reporters doing a really good job at showing off who's getting in there. And, like, really making sure that we know where they're coming from. It's not just some random guy from nowhere. They clearly have some pedigree. Um, not that's not Switzerland. I think she's Swedish. Uh, she raced in Formula W as well. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, don't quote me on that. I'm totally butchering this. Uh, but they gave her a background check um, on the app, and they said she didn't even start off like carding or anything. Ew, not a background check. It's yeah. like a background. Yeah, okay. Um, anyways. Uh, they like gave her a whole background and like, she didn't even start off racing the season. Where did she start racing? I don't remember what it was, but like she just decided one day she just wanted to try it. And like I was like, and now she's out here racing the FLS That's cool. You know, racing is awesome. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I'm really excited to see what the Formula uh, Academy does this year. Uh, I think it's going to play a major little role in actually, because I think this is the first real viable step that Formula One and the FIA have taken towards incorporating more females in the grid. Um, and I think that it's going to get a lot of support, but it's also going to get a lot of backlash, mm -hmm. especially in countries where they're not fans of, you know, the idea of female driving. Yeah. Like, uh, when I was talking with uh, Jakob um, on one of our previous podcasts, like about the FIA president, he was saying it somewhere on like a, a blog or something. It's like still up there. He wasn't like, that was you? That was you? Yeah. And then it wasn't on the podcast. No, it was on the podcast. Okay, why don't you So, Mahabi Ben Salim had a website. <laughs> he put up a post one day saying he does not like the other people. That's not word for word, but that's essentially the saying of it. And now that the USA are seriously reconsidering um, who they're putting in as the president, obviously they have a board, so they can't just like put it up. You know, um, they have to like vote on replacement. Uh, for me, like you know, they, they've already happened. said like you guys are taking a step back from day to day, so that yeah. changes on his way out. Yeah, I mean he's pulling a. Uh, if you know at this point, like, oh, put in my race, like, revenues are completely going to be lost. Probably. Um, but yeah, so I think finding someone a little more progressive in that, hopefully. Um, yeah. And even if they're not somebody who isn't as outspoken. I don't want them to have the view <laughs> and just not tell us. <laughs> well, but... maybe, yeah, you know. Um, but outside of that, I think the FIA needs to seriously reevaluate the values of the because, yeah. um, you know, putting a rule in place that prevents the drivers from having politically motivated um, moves or actions um, out there is uh, quite frankly a violation of human rights, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if every country has that freedom of speech. They definitely do not. Um, but I don't think it's viable to cut off an entire uh, Especially with their, with their um, reputation, like 
every driver on the F1 grid had made it last year. That's what Tom said. And the idea of cutting off 20 of the worlds and there's still be really people from having a political statement at all, I don't think that's going to go over well. It's not. Yes. Well, I mean, F1 is like, we're not going to stand for that. So. Yeah. And I think Valtteri Bodo said it best. Like, he's like, you know, we have these massive pedestals and you're going to stop us from using our pedestals. And it's not like anyone's saying anything bad. Like, the only way that what we say is considered bad is if somebody really doesn't like it. And if somebody doesn't like it, that means what they have is what we're saying is probably against what they like. Um, especially, obviously, we're not going to sugarcoat the fact that some countries still aren't very fond of, like, you know, women in academics, women, you know, like a super team event. Um, and in that aspect, like, we're still looking for a female driver. And some places aren't happy with that. And so it's like, Valtteri Bottas is basically saying, like, you know, if we're promoting, like, you know, LGBTQ rights or Black Lives Matter or female racers or just female people in general, and saying, like, hey, we need more of this, right? We need more representation showing the, the world that these people are just as capable as us to do what we do or, like, you know, for your job that, you know, they've been discouraged from. Why is that a bad thing? Mm-hmm. And using our pedestal to show that it's not a bad thing that is actually encouraged in this day and age. Well, why are you cutting that off from us? Yeah, it's just it's messed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, but that got a little serious. No, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, this was about um, a game. F one twenty twenty two. They do not talk about any of this in the game, by the way. They, they do not. That is one of the things that uh, you don't deal with in the game that drivers have to deal with in real life. Yeah. Um, they give a lot of insight into yes. the technical specs and according to them. Oh, like one interesting thing. Team principals voting on regulation changes. Uh, in F1 Manager, team principals get to vote on regulation changes. And we vote for the whole of the team. Every team gets a vote. And then the FIA will rule um, themselves if it's a project level. Mm-hmm. And what I mean, I can't understand the argument. Because sometimes they'll say, you know, teams go on a grid that will see a few times and teams get top, top part of the grid to less. Well, you would think the teams are going to be part of the grid that's like, hey. You want to just like say what CFP stands for? Yeah, it's when tunnel time is like um, time that you get to do your research on the top. Red Bull has 10% less of that, which is like three over one plus track for transportation. Okay, continue. Um, but if for some reason they make the lower teams say no to them, and the other teams say yes. That is weird. Just, I don't understand the upgrade. It's like, no, we don't want more time. We can do it without it. Oh, in the game? Yeah, in the game. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Like, if I was Williams in real life, and I saw yes. that, like, give me more time, I know I might not be able to get the funding for it, but I still want the research. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah. Uh, Should we wrap this up with some final thoughts about the game? Yeah, uh, F1 is super fun. I personally can't wait to get my own steering wheel and pedals. I'll probably just let everybody play. Um, you definitely will be. Oh! Fun facts. Fun facts. I don't know how to drive. You don't know how to drive. He does, but he doesn't have his license. I'm getting there. Um, so, she'll definitely be faster than me on the steering wheel and pedals because I can move along. But um, for now, that's just my favorite thing. Um, the game as a whole, pretty. Pretty good job at showing us the tracks, what the tracks are actually like, you know, um, why some tracks are so fun, 
The noise of tracks might be difficult, especially some of the tracks where the people playing are not allowed to overtake and you never know why. Um, street circuits can be fun, might not be. Uh, Monaco is ridiculously hard to drive. Monaco is ridiculously hard to drive. Because one mistake, your fault is done. Two mistakes, your whole car is done. You're the killer at all. But I think it does a really good job at showing you like what your favorite track could be. And like, it also helps you understand how difficult the engineers have it, how difficult the drivers have it, finding the right balance for the car, finding what the car exceeds at and what it's not good at. Um, and I think it's a really good insight into what you know, other like things are day to day. But I think F1 Manager does a really good job of showing you that some things good in college, even awards that they have to do. And obviously, CEOs take a lot of the brunt for that as mm-hmm. well. Um, in this case, like you know, a lot of team thinks that they're allowed to do that. Somewhere, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this thing also looks like Yeah, what do you always say about Toto? Oh, Toto has more hours of the day than anybody else. Yeah. And you can't convince me otherwise. He was not uh, restricted by the 24 hours of us. No, that guy has. Near like, uh, yeah. you know. It's 32 hour days. He must. Somehow, move he gets to see his family every other week, still go to race weekends. And I think last year, the only race he missed was Brazil, and he was still on Team Radio at home. This man does not operate a normal time. Also, I don't know if you guys know, but he has four honorary master's degrees. And he teaches classes. Hmm. All right, that's what we're gonna wrap up with. We're gonna wrap up on that. How cool is Toto Wolf, the so mafia cool. boss? Yeah, well, well, well. Sorry, he's not a mafia boss. He just sounds like him. He's just a cool guy. He's just a really good guy. Also, he's jacked. Um, that's all we have for you guys this week. Um, tune in next week to find out what we're talking about because we don't know yet. Yeah, we'll have uh, Yaka back on here. Yeah. Also, Claire's here today, so. Yeah, I am. But I'm until always next here. Time, all right. I'm Patrick. I'm Claire. This is the lights out.